0: You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. Amen. You can be seated. Good morning to 840. Uh, last Sunday, we, we started the Sermon on the Mount. and This is the longest recorded sermon of Jesus. Now, don't let that make you nervous at all. It's only 10 minutes long. And so we're gonna take six weeks and hear what Jesus says to us in that sermon because it's unbelievably relevant to our culture today, to our world today, to our lives today. Why does it take Jesus 10 minutes but it takes me six weeks? Well, it's, he's Jesus. Matthew chapter five. Do you mind getting there with me, please? Matthew chapter five. Matthew's the first book in the New Testament. We always wanna encourage you to have your copy of God's word with you as we gather together. We're in Matthew chapter five. I want to remind you of two things as as you make your way there regarding the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, First, the Sermon on the Mount is about the kingdom of God. It's about you and I living in God's kingdom under the authority of the King himself, Jesus. Now, if you've made it to Matthew chapter 5, just go back to Matthew chapter 4 real quick and look at verse 23 because this is where we see uh, Matthew speaking about this kingdom preaching, this this sermon on the kingdom that, that Christ was going around talking about the gospel and the kingdom. Verse 23 of chapter 4, and he went, Jesus went throughout all of Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. So it is, first of all, written about the kingdom of God, but secondly, it's written to followers of Christ. Matthew chapter five, verse one, we saw that last week. It was his disciples that came to him to to hear this sermon. Jesus is not speaking to the general public in Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. The Sermon on the Mountain is not not five steps to, to make your life better, but it's for those who want to walk so closely with Jesus That it becomes their way of life. So, this is not principles for life. This is a way of life for those who love Jesus, a big difference. Matthew chapter five, let's begin in in verse 13. You're the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand that gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Don't close your Bible. Salt and light. I think it's important for you to see that Jesus says here in verse 13, you are The salt of the earth and verse 14 you are the light of the world that is your Christian identity it does not say that if you're a Christian you really ought to be salt it does not say if you're a Christian you really ought to be light Jesus says you are salt you are light we have Christian identity before we have Christian activity let me say that again, let that sink in. We have Christian identity, who we are in Christ, before we begin in Christian activity. In other words, we don't act like a Christian to become a Christian. But once we are in Christ, we do act like a small Christ. That's what the word Christian means. And Jesus says here, you are salt, you are light. Salt and light are interesting metaphors used. If I could reduce it down to one word, salt and light really means, means influence. It's a mandate of Jesus to us. It's a God-given mandate for Christ followers to go into the culture, to go into our worlds, and to influence. And so it moves us off of the sidelines into living out our faith in such a way that we are influencing our world and impacting people around us. And it's global influence. So you see this in verse 13? You are the salt of the earth. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. So note takers, you can write this down, Christ followers are to be global influencers. We are called to make a global impact. That does not necessarily mean that every one of you individually will go into all the world, but collectively the global church lives out its faith in the world so that the church will go into all of the world. The world has come to Highland uh, if you're relatively new, haven't been here, maybe once or twice before, if you look around the, the perimeter of this room, you'll see 49 flags. The, those 49 flags represent the 49 countries where Highlanders hold citizenship. So 49 nationalities represented within the family of faith here at Highland. In, in, in little Owaco. Waco, little Highland, 49 nationalities have gathered in this church family. But also Highland is is going into all the world. We sent Highland mission teams and Highland missionaries to 25 nations so far this calendar year from January 1st, 2023 until today. In fact, you see a map on on the screen behind me. We can see all the nations where Highlanders have gone this year. Morocco, Taiwan, the Netherlands, Germany, Egypt, England, Guatemala, Nicaragua, Canada, Ecuador, Uganda, India, Pakistan, Zimbabwe, Spain, Afghanistan, Tunisia, Turkey, Denmark, Brazil, Dominican Republic, Kenya, Costa Rica, Czech Republic, and Madagascar. Christ followers are to be global influencers. And the salt and light images here are so powerful because here's something you probably already know about salt and light. They're always noticeable. They can't be ignored. You can't put salt on your tongue and not notice it. You can't shine light into a dark room and not notice it. God does not want Christians to live our lives unnoticed. Note takers, you can write this down. We don't hold on to our faith privately. We hold out our faith publicly. This is the essence of what it means to be salt and to be light. And so when I hear people say I'm a Christian, but I'm private about my faith, What they're really saying is I'm a Christian and I don't want anybody to notice. Because if you and I are to take on these properties, these metaphors of being salt and light, people will see, we will become recognizable, we will be noticed in the culture around us. I am so glad that the Apostle Paul did not have a private faith. I'm so glad that John and Mary Magdalene and Lydia and James did not take this stance of just saying, I don't want anybody to notice. Instead, they lived their faith out loud publicly. Just think about your own life for a little bit. Who introduced you to Jesus? Who shared with you the gospel? Who do you look to as someone who bears well the image of Christ? Who do you look to as someone who is mature in the faith? Is it your parents? I and mean, maybe a youth minister introduced the gospel to you, to the kingdom to you, a friend, a coworker, a grandmother, a grandfather. Uh, aren't you glad right now in this moment that they did not keep their faith private, but they lived their, their faith out loud. They lived as salt and, and light. The Bible knows no such animal as a Christian who hides his faith, as a Christian who hides her faith. So salt and light, let's look at some of the properties that, that both of these share together because certainly in this, this is what Jesus is talking about when he calls you, Christian, the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Let's look at four things here. that uh, There are shared properties between salt and light, things that they have in common. First of all, salt and light purify. Salt is a good antiseptic. Light is a good disinfectant to, to kill germs and to kill viruses. You remember the discovery just two years ago that, that UV light was beginning to kill the SARS virus. But both salt and light, they, they purify things. And, and this world, is the world watches us, it finds purity so attractive. But when they see in our lives that this ability to, to speak with pure words and to live life with pure kindness... And the, the purity of our promises being, being kept, the, the purity of love that we have for, for other people, the, the purity of intentions, the, the purity of, of motivations, the world finds pure things so attractive, mainly because purity is such a rare commodity in our world today. One of the things that we bring into the culture is this thought of, of purity. Our words are to, to bring the, this, this purity. That is you and I being salt and light. Our kindness is to bring purity into the culture. This is influencing the culture as salt and light. The second word that these two words have in common is that salt and light heal. That's why when you get a sore throat later on this, this fall semester, you take some salt water and you, and you gargle it. it. It kills bacteria. It has an anti-inflammatory uh, properties to it. Uh, babies in the ancient world, when they were born, they were covered with salt. They put salt all over a brand newborn baby to to kill the bacteria. In fact, the Bible actually speaks about this in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse four, of covering babies with with salt because of the the healing nature of of salt. Light therapy, even today, heals wounds. An interesting verse is in Isaiah chapter 58, verse eight, when it says the light came forth and then the healing came forth. Our words bring healing. When we share the gospel, Christian, we are we are sharing healing words that can heal people of the worst disease ever, their sin. When we bring the presence of Jesus in, into, our, into our homes, into our marriages, into our, our families, into our relationships, into our friendships, into the workplace, into the school. And Christian, let me just remind you, when you walk into any room or walk into any relationship, if you are in Christ, you're bringing the presence of Christ with you salt and light, and that, that salt and that light, it brings healing. It has a healing effect when we bring the presence of Jesus into the world around us. The third thing that salt and light do, they, they bring life. Salt and life bring light. Salt and light are, are both needed to sustain life. If your body has too little salt or, or too little sodium, it's called a, a hyponatremia, and you can die from it. If your body does not have enough salt, does not have enough, enough sodium, our bodies need light. That's why you see those poor people in northern Alaska or northern Russia uh, living under, under sun lamps in their, in, in, in their house or living under lamps as suns in their, in their own homes because their body needs light. Our bodies, without light, it becomes destructive to the natural body. So salt and light, Jesus is saying here, it brings life. In the same way, Christian, you and I this week are to bring life into a lifeless world. Bring the life of Christ to to lifeless people, to bring the life of Christ into lifeless places. Fourthly, salt and light, they have these common properties or this common property between them. They are pervasive. Salt and light, they they spread out into any any space that they're introduced to. A little salt changes everything, a little light changes everything. There's nothing passive about salt, there's nothing neutral about light. They're their natural properties, they go to work. They begin to make change, and salt changes the flavor of of food. Light begins to penetrate and changes the very properties of, of darkness. This is what Jesus is calling us to do, church, to bring impact, to bring life, to bring healing, to bring purity. to to be a catalyst of influence and impact for the world around us. It is who we are. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. But interesting to me, it is who we are, but we can still reel it in. Do you see this in verse 13, the middle of verse 13? But if salt lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything. Look at verse 15. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it up on a stand. It gives light to all in the house. So Jesus says here, you can lose your saltiness. You, you can lose your light. You can hide the light. You can reel these things back in. But when we reel those things back in and we're not salty in the, in the culture around us, we're not bringing light in the culture around us, it means that we're not living rightly in the kingdom. We're not living under Christ's authority because his rule to us is to shine, to add, to to bring life to a decaying world, to bring healing to a hurting world, to bring purity to a perverse generation. But Jesus warns us right here that this this is what it looks like to become ineffective in the kingdom. If we lose that saltiness, if we begin to hide that light of Christ in us, Jesus is telling us here, do not be disengaged from the culture around you. Do not pull back, do not reel back. There's a quote that I love, and actually when I say I love it, it hurts every time I read it. It's by John Stott, uh, a, a great theologian from the last century. I think John passed away about 10 years ago or so, but here's, here's this quote. You'll see it on the screen behind me. John Stott says, Our Christian habit is to bewail the world's deteriorating standards with an air of self-righteous dismay. We criticize its violence, dishonesty, immor- uh, immorality, the disregard for human life, and materialistic greed. The world is going down the drain, we say, but whose fault is it? Let me put it like this. If the house is dark when night comes, there's no sense in blaming the house. That is what happens when the sun goes down. The question to ask is, where is the light? In similar form, if the meat goes bad and becomes inedible, there's no sense in blaming the meat. This is what happens when bacteria are left alone to breed. The question to ask is, where is the salt? Just so, if society deteriorates and its standards decline until it becomes like a dark night or a stinking fish, there is no sense in blaming society. That is what happens when fallen men and women are left to themselves and human selfishness is unchecked. The question to ask is, where is the church? Why are the holders of salt and light of Jesus Christ not permeating our society? I'll let that sit there for a while. Let that just kind of land on you for a moment. We so often look to the dark world and say, why aren't you shining? The entire time Jesus is looking at us and saying, you are the light of the world. Verse 16, let's look at this again in the same way. Christian, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You see, the effect here of being salty, the effect here of of being bright is not to our glory. It's not to the glory of a church, but it's to God's glory. So being salty and being light is not for our name or a church's name or a leader's name, but this is for the name of our God. Matthew chapter five, let's pick it up here in, in verse 17. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is going to kick off the Sermon on the Mount with life in the kingdom, verses 1 through 12. And he's going to call us salt and light, verses 13 and 16. But then Jesus says here in verse 17 and 18, I did not come to abolish the law, the scriptures. In fact, the whole point of the law, the whole point of the scripture is, is, is pointing to me. So in my birth, Jesus is saying, I fulfilled the prophecies, and in my life, I will fulfill all the prophecies. In my death and in my resurrection, I will be a fulfillment of all of the Old Testament. I will fulfill it all. Jesus is saying right here, this is really important for New Testament Christians to understand. He does not say, I've come to toss the Old Testament. He says, I've come as a fulfillment of the Old Testament, which means the entirety of Scripture is about Jesus, no takers, you can write this down. If you move away from the Bible, you move away from Jesus. Jesus did not create some false dichotomy between him and God's word. And sadly, I hear this often today, especially on social media. I've got to get off of social media because it, it, it burns my heart. When I hear people say, I love Jesus, but I don't really like the Bible. I love Jesus, but I don't like all of the scriptures of the Old and New Testament. I really like my relationship with Jesus. I want to follow him. I just don't want to follow God's word. But what Jesus was saying here is if you move away from scripture, if you move away from the word of God, you move away from me. Jesus did not bring this chasm between right thinking and right practice. He did not bring this chasm between strong theology and strong activism. You can't choose either God's son or God's word. Jesus does not give us that option. Verse 19, we don't toss the word of God. We don't toss obedience. Grace that was ushered in in the new testimony of God and new Testament. this grace was, was ushered in, but it's not a license to sin. The Old Testament is reminding us of the penalty of sin, the the, the foolishness of pushing back against God. When Jesus came, he introduced to us grace and forgiveness. He did not introduce to us disobedience. Nine of the Ten Commandments are actually reinforced in the New Testament. Nine of the Ten Commandments, the the, the tablets that came down from Moses, the law, the Mosaic law for the people of God, nine of those Ten Commandments are reinforced actually in the New Testament. The only one that isn't is honoring the Sabbath, but even that's expanded because now Christ is our Sabbath rest, Hebrews chapter four. Verse 20, this is key to, to the Sermon on the Mount. Look at verse 20 again. Uh, it, It probably bothers some of you for me to read it out loud, but let me say it again. For I tell you, Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never make it to heaven. You will never enter into the kingdom. That verse, Matthew chapter five, verse 20, is key to this entire sermon on the Mount. It's actually key to understanding Christianity because what Jesus is doing, don't miss this, he is setting up the impossible, You see, the Pharisees and the scribes, they were professional good people. They were professional religious people. They could outdo everybody in this room in doing good. They had more scripture memorized than probably all of us in this room combined. They lived by the letter of the law and they practiced their righteousness in front of others. They made up rules about the rules so they wouldn't break any of the rules. But here we see you can't enter the kingdom of God unless our righteousness exceeds theirs. All of us in this house are in trouble. But we can't enter the kingdom of God based on our own righteousness. The only way you and I can enter the kingdom of God is taking on and receiving the righteousness of Jesus. So let me give this to you. This is... If you've been asleep, wake up for this point, please. This is the last one also. The essence of Christianity is that we give Jesus our sin and he gives us his righteousness. This, this is the, the, the crux of the gospel. This is the key to understanding the Christian life. This is key to understanding life in the kingdom under the authority of the King Jesus. Jesus. The essence of Christianity is that we give Jesus our sin, but then we take from him his righteousness. God made Christ who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So if you're not a Christian, it means that you're still holding on to your own sin. And maybe you're trying to cover it. You're trying to fix it yourself. You're trying to find yourself absorbed in other things to to try to mask the, the, the sin, the weight of sin, the penalty of sin? And let me just ask you, if, if you're not a believer in Christ, you know, what, what is that sin doing to you? And what are you doing with that sin? There is nothing you can do to forgive yourself if you're not in Christ. There's nothing that you can do to, to, to absolve yourself from your sin, from your guilt. But Christ has come and he lived a perfect life according to the law. He lived the entirety of the law so that he could become a perfect sacrifice for us. And so when we believe upon Christ, we just hand Jesus all of our junk, all of our stuff, all of our vileness, all of our gross sin, all of our rebellion, but it does not stop there. And every Christian in the room needs to hear this. Yes, you gave all of your sin to Jesus, but don't miss this, Jesus gave all of his righteousness to you. Therefore, you're living in the rightness of Christ. What does that mean practically for you? I love this, I won't get over this all the days of my life. When God looks at you, he sees Jesus. When God looks at you, he sees perfection, he sees holiness. That's why he can look to you now here, Matthew chapter five says, "You're, you're the salt. It's your identity, your light, that is your identity. Just as Christ is the light of the world, so you and I also are the light of the world. You have taken on Christian, you have the right standing that Jesus has before the Father. You have taken on his righteousness. Would you stand with me, please? And let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word to us today. Thank you, Jesus, that you tell us who we are and forgive us when we try to be involved in Christian activity before we realize our Christian identity. God, remind us again today that our our own righteousness is is nothing. They're, They're filthy rags. Even on our very best day, even in our very best moment, our righteousness will never enter us into the kingdom of God until we receive the righteousness of Christ. So Father, for anyone here today, maybe everyone here today who's not a believer, today they would believe upon Jesus and receive his righteousness, hand Jesus their sin, and receive the right standing of Jesus before the Father. But for so many believers in the house, so many Christians in the house today, God, forgive us when we think that Christianity is just that we've been forgiven of sin. Christianity is also, we've been given the righteousness of Christ. And we wanna live in that this week. We wanna make decisions based on the fact that we have with us the righteousness of Christ. that has been given to us, the gift of righteousness. Help us to live this week, Father, with that realization and the understanding that when you see us, you see the perfection of Jesus, not our past, not not our mess ups, not all of our rebellion, not all the, the gross vileness of our sin, but when you see us, you see the righteousness of Jesus. This is what it looks like to live in the kingdom. So Father, give us grace to do so. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. We're gonna sing a song of worship to the Lord. and As we did last week, as we did earlier in our gathering today, you're welcome to come and kneel here at the front. Why would you leave your seat and come and kneel here at the front? I'll give you a couple of options, maybe because you wanna surrender something to the Lord. Maybe you wanna lay something down before the Lord. Maybe today you wanna to surrender your, your heart, your, your past, your future, And there's something about kneeling before the Lord that just says, God, I can't, but you can. Maybe also you wanna come forward and just kneel before the Lord and thank Him for His goodness towards you, that He has given you the Son's righteousness. Uh, Yes, let's sing and let's adore the Lord, let's treasure the Lord in in song, but we always wanna make sure you understand that the joy of coming and kneeling before the Lord, your God, your maker, for we are the, the sheep of his pasture. We are the people of his hand. We'll have some staff members here at the front as well. If today you wanna to give your life to Christ because you're, you're tired of holding on to your own sin, yeah, you don't know what to do with your sin, but you definitely know what your sin is doing to you. Maybe you wanna come forward and tell one of these leaders of the church, a minister of the church, hey, I'm ready to believe on Christ. I, I wanna become a brand new creation. I wanna give all my sin up so I can take on the righteousness of Jesus. Come and talk to us if you want us to pray for you, to encourage you in the Lord. Let's sing, and won't you please come.